Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio, powered by Molka Sports. We've got a great guest on this week's show. Danica Patrick is going to join me on behalf of Power Up Premium Trail Mix. Patrick is the most successful woman in the history of American open wheel racing. After racing in IndyCar and NASCAR, Patrick has been named to Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People list. She's appeared in a record-setting 14 Super Bowl commercials in her post-racing career. Patrick is now the host of the Pretty Intense podcast, and she's become a very successful entrepreneur with an impressive portfolio of businesses, including two wine companies and vineyards. I think you'll enjoy this conversation with Danica Patrick. I really like her Pretty Intense podcast. She does a great job with that. So you'll get to know a different side of Danica Patrick on our show this week. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing great. And uh, yeah, Danica is awesome. Another one that's just so involved in everything other than just racing, which she's known for. She's just got so many, you know, hands and everything. So she's uh, just a brilliant, brilliant woman and a really cool interview. All right. Some headlines before we get to the Danica Patrick interview, the NCAA men's basketball championship, the NCAA women's basketball championship have concluded. We'll start with the men. Baylor tops undefeated Gonzaga to win the championship. But Griggs, the ratings for the tournament, for the men's tournament, the final four down as much as 30%. So pretty sharply. And and what didn't help things is Baylor routed Houston in the semifinals and then they routed Gonzaga in the finals. So when you have games that aren't very competitive, that doesn't help the ratings. What did help was the classic game between UCLA and Gonzaga with the Jalen Suggs buzzer beater. That was one of the great games the tournament has ever seen, but two blowouts by Baylor didn't help the tourney ratings for the men. Yeah, Baylor was just absolutely impressive. I mean, I, last night I was watching, I kept thinking, okay, Gonzaga's going to make a run. They're going to be down, you know, two points, four points, and they just couldn't do it. Baylor was just incredible. But you're right, it kind of hurts the ratings. We turned it off probably five minutes left in the game because it's like, okay, this is over. But uh, man, I tell you, that UCLA-Gonzaga game was one for the ages. That was a fun one. All right, and on the women's side, Stanford tops Arizona by one point in the women's championship game, which saw 3.6 million viewers Overall, the women's Final Four was up 32%. So big increase for the women's tournament. And, you know, just some great games. Uh, That UConn-Baylor game, 
was one of the best games I've seen in a long time. I would not put it on par with the UCLA Gonzaga men's game, but it was really, really good and competitive throughout and uh, just a great women's tournament. So I hope there's been a lot written. I hope more investment is made in women's sports in general, but specifically the NCAA women's basketball championship needs more investment. And I think they showed this year, the games are great and the ratings are up. So invest more money in women's sports. All right, Griggs, the major league baseball all-star game has moved out of Atlanta. MLB opted to move the game out of Atlanta due to voting laws passed in Georgia last month. The game is reportedly going to take place at Coors Field in Denver now in July. So Major League Baseball moves its showcase game out of Atlanta into Denver. Look, I'm not going to get too political, but this is what happens now. When a major league sport or a team wants to make a statement to its state or its city, they're going to do things like this. And and Major League Baseball, I tip my cap to them. They, I think, did the right thing here. And it's kind of... Brave for them to do this because they haven't really gone this way in the past. And, you know, this was one of the first times I was like, okay, they they really got this right. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to see Atlanta is going to lose approximately $60 million in economic value by losing the game. So rough for the the Atlanta baseball team, the Braves, but, uh, you know, good for Denver. And, and who knows, maybe this will lead to change. I think that's the important thing. Yeah, and I think MLB tends to be kind of not the forefront forerunners on changes. So it's kind of nice to see, like you said, that they're jumping out and making a change, making a statement. And it's a big change. And, uh, you know, I agree with you. I think it's a good move. I think it's a good thing for baseball. And uh, it just shows that MLB is, hey, we're making changes when we need to make changes that are going to be better for baseball. All right. The Masters takes place starting Thursday of this week. Griggs, no Tiger Woods, obviously, after the horrific car accident he was in earlier in the year. We wish him a, a continued speedy recovery. Um, who do you like to win the Masters? I'm going for Mr. Bryson DeChambeau. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I retweeted uh, some of his video on the driving range today, and he was just hitting bomb. And, yeah. and I mean, boy, like if, if I ever swung that hard, I think I would need to be in traction after uh, <laughs> swinging that hard. He swings so hard. I'm going to go... Justin Thomas. I think Justin Thomas, JT may get it done. Jordan Spieth is looking pretty good, but I'm going to go Justin Thomas. And obviously Dustin Johnson is the defending champ and, you know, played so well last year. Um, You know, he's got to be in the mix, you would think, but I'm going to go Justin Thomas. I I think uh, that's who's going to get it done this week. All right. Adia Barnes is our power player of the week presented by Power Up Premium Trail Mix. Barnes is the head coach at the University of Arizona women's basketball team that made it all the way to the championship game of the NCAA women's basketball tournament. They lost by one point to Stanford. Congratulations to Stanford. Adia Barnes is also a new mom. I just loved her grit and determination. I loved her uh, post-game interviews. She's a real leader, and for that reason, we're honoring her as the Power Player of the Week presented by Power Up Premium Trail Mix. Griggs, uh, did you watch that game? Oh, yeah. I mean, it tips to her. I mean, to be a mom, a new mom, and still out there coaching and hanging with the best of the best, that's incredible. So it's a great pick for the week. Great woman, great mom. I love it. All right. A reminder, subscribe to and rate our podcast on iTunes. We love it when you rate us. And coming up next, Danica Patrick, you're going to enjoy this conversation with her. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. 
This segment of Sports Business Radio is brought to you by Power Up Premium Trail Mix. Forget the stale trail mixes with peanuts, raisins, and junk candy. Power Up is a trail mix brand that specially curates their mixes fresh with good-for-you quality ingredients that power you up with nutrients your body needs and flavors your taste buds crave. These premium trail mixes come in several varieties and can be eaten on the go wherever the day takes you. Fuel up like sports icons Lindsey Horan and the Washington Capitals. And find Power Up Nationwide at retailers, on Amazon, and at PowerUpSnacks.com. My guest is Danica Patrick. She is the most successful woman in the history of American open wheel racing. She's the host of the Pretty Intense podcast, which you can find on iTunes or podcast platforms everywhere. Danica is joining us on behalf of Power Up Premium Trail Mix. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter at Danica Patrick. Danica, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, When I think of one word to describe you, I I think of fearless. Mm. You were racing go-karts at age 10 against adults. You moved away at age 16 to England. I have a 16-year-old daughter, and I can't even imagine her putting her on a plane to move away to another country. And then you're an entrepreneur now, which takes a lot of bravery and, and guts. Is fearless an accurate adjective to describe you? No, I don't think so. I think it has more to do, because I think everyone has fear. I think it has maybe a little bit more to do with your relationship with it and your perception and your sort of understanding of fear. Like I get scared to do things too. I mean, my first instinct is scared. Like I get scared to do a podcast when I do them. I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want to look like an idiot to this person. Who's a legend, whoever I'm interviewing. Um, So I, I mean, I get nervous. I get concerned a little here and there, of course, like anyone, but Um, I also know that on the other side of that discomfort is growth and it's something that's super important to me. So, and also joy, right? So like even in a race car, when you go out and you really push it, uh, you know, and you, you find the edge and you find the limit, you go faster and it's rewarding, or you have a tough race and you, you know, you get done and you feel so relieved. And so I think it's sort of, you know, there's like a, really age old expression of, um, finding comfort in the discomfort. And so I think that, I think that fear is a lot of discomfort and I feel like my whole life has been spent trying to find comfort in that discomfort. It's interesting because again, on the, on the surface, you would go, wow, a 10 year old competing against adults and (laughs) go-karts moving to another country to race cars. And then I'm an entrepreneur as well. So being an entrepreneur, you've got to, stare down failure in the face and say, I'm not going to fail. I'm going to succeed. So you've got to have some pretty brave, courageous traits to be able to do those things that I just mentioned. Perhaps stubborn because <laughs> it's not actually that it's not actually that you don't fail. Cause there's a lot of failure on the way to success. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a matter of can't fail. It's a matter of, I am prepared to keep failing right? Because it's not who 
um, it's who keeps getting up and getting up and getting up. And, and ultimately there's information in all the losses, there's information in all the failures. And so if you can find the gems and grow from that and learn from that, then essentially you get to the point where you do start winning or you are successful and you, you come out on top. So again, it's kind of like your thought for me, it feels like my thought process orientation with, with the failures, with, um, fear with discomfort and just knowing that uh, it's kind of, I guess maybe like, it's like a little bit of a roller coaster, you know, you're kind of riding that sort of like, Oh God. And then, and then you kind of go, okay. But it's, I guess it kind of, I look at it like, cause I'm kind of visual. So I look at it kind of like a ratchet ladder where it's like, you kind of keep going up and up and up. And so I actually was just thinking about this today. I, I, just passing thought of the fact that my life I've, I've, I've said this for a long time that my life changes in ways that I would never expect every couple of years. And that's a scary thought because you think everything that you have is what you want. And, um, but it's, I realize now that it's because I say yes to growth. I say yes to progress. I say yes to evolving. And sometimes almost every time it means change. And so your life is going to look different when that happens. Where does that come from? The resilience that you have and, and saying yes and being able to ride the roller coaster and always bouncing back up for, for more challenges. I would have said that that was something that is in me and I just have it. But then I had a friend, um, I was sitting down with her last year and we were having lunch and she's similar and, 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 and able to cope and cope with stress. And, you know, like, I feel super grateful that, um, anxiety is not a part of my life. And I know that that's something that people struggle with. And, um, just this sort of like, go like super aggressive, confident, fearless, um, uh, mindset and the strength, maybe strength is like just the kind of nicer encompassing word. And she pointed out she's, she did ballet. She was a ballerina and she pointed out how tough that world is and how tough my world was and how early we did it, how young we were when we did it. So I guess that gave me a little bit of a new perception of my strength because I've been practicing that and put in tough situations since I was 10. Hmm. So, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I think there's, you know, somebody might've had a, a more softer sort of upbringing, something with maybe even more like, you know, tenderness, coddling, even whatever, something that allows them some comfort and protection and I think that when you're thrown in the deep end, you got to figure it out. And so I just learned how to do that really early. And <clears throat> I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for everything. All my, all, all the things that have happened, all the, of course, the good, because it's easy to be grateful for the good, but all the bad too, because I feel like, um, I feel like it's me, you know, it's really made me into who I am. And also there's a season for everything like, 
like, you know, there's a season, season for working. There's a season for relationships. There's a season for like being really joyful. There's a season for, you know, just stressing about something. There's just like seasons like mm-hmm. there are in real life and nature, right? There's just seasons for things. And so I think that the things that I've dealt with that are tough have really served me well. And it's not a matter of sort of dismissing them or getting rid of them or not wanting them to be a part of me. It's going, okay, that season's over with and it's time for a new one. A lot of athletes I've talked to on this show over the years, during their career, some of them get the fact that they're auditioning for their next career, right? You're building the relationships for when you're not competing anymore. Others wait till the end and they're like, okay, now I got to think about what I'm going to do next. You strike me as someone who was thinking about the next phase of your life during your racing career. Is that correct? And, And if so, What did you do to try and lay the groundwork for some of the things that you're doing now? Bobby Rahal told me a long, 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 long time ago uh, that he just not spend all my money, number one. And number two, he said (laughs) that he always wanted to make sure that he could maintain the same kind of lifestyle after racing as he had during. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that sort of planted the seed of other businesses and, and the fact that there's I actually, it's not really, for me, it was a little bit of a twist on it because I felt I'm very fortunate. I did really well. Um, But it was more a matter of using the platform when I had it to start sort of like, to like, let that sort of um, roll into the next thing or use that as an opportunity to show what I was doing next. And so, um, so that's kind of how I, how I used it, but I just, I really like doing, and I like, I like, I like, um, growing. I like learning. I like helping. I like being inspiring. So really all of my businesses are rooted in, in, in some sort of form of inspiration, um, at their core, which I've always felt like it's really important to have businesses that have long-term, like long, far out their goals, because, if it's to interview someone in particular, or if it's to make X amount of money or what, whatever that may be, that's a really, that has an end point and a ceiling essentially, at least in my mind. And so I like having, I like orienting the things that I'm doing uh, around uh, what's the right word? Um, a mission as opposed to, an end point. Mm, I like that. I want to talk about your pretty intense podcast. Mm-hmm. I love it. I've become addicted to it. It's in my rotation now. Uh, I love the episode with Amy Lee from Evanescence. Thank you. Uh, Gary V was fantastic, mm-hmm. fellow entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's a deeply psychological podcast. And don't take offense to this, but while you were racing, I heard you interviewed, but I'm seeing a different side of you now and a much deeper side of you now via your podcast. And I love the conversations you have and I find them therapeutic as well. So um, every time I'm done with one of your podcasts, I feel like I've learned three or four new things that I didn't know before or that can help me in my life. And, and frankly, with this podcast, which I've been doing for 17 years, that's one of the things I try and do with our conversations is I want our audience to leave with a few tangible takeaways that they can apply to their life 
immediately and they feel like, wow, that was worth listening to. Yeah. The gems. It's like, I, I haven't just a simple saying, it's not mine. It's Ram Dass's, but it's, we're all just walking each other home. Mm-hmm. And I really feel that's true. And so I'm so grateful that you said that. Thank you. I, I, I truly just enjoy people. I'm fascinated by them. Actually, if anyone asked me what I would have done if I wasn't a race car driver, many times I've said I would have been some kind of psychologist or a shrink or whatever you want to call them, a therapist. And uh, because I'm fascinated with people as well as like figuring things out and so helping people and like how to get how to feel better, how to be how to be living better and happier. And so um, so I, I, I do I do psychoanalyze my guests a little. <laughs> That's good. I do, I do, too. And I think a good podcast host is naturally curious. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you're trying to put yourself in the seat of your listeners. So that you're hopefully asking some of the questions that your listeners would want to hear from the guest. But walk me through your process. What's Danica Patrick's process when preparing for a podcast? Um, So it's kind of had a little bit of an evolution because at first um, it was a little there was a little more more people involved and I've streamlined it. And partly because I found that I didn't really need as much. Um, but I would, I, I, now my process is I used to get like 15 pages from a, from a, a researcher and I'd go through and it was really good. A lot of great information. And, um, I'd circle as I went along and write notes in the margin. And then I'd go back over all my pages and kind of formulate, uh, like the best, I'd pick the best topics that I was interested in. And then I would start to organize a flow for it. And, then write those out. And so I'd write it all out and then I rewrite it again on a little note card. So by the time I've read it, organized it, wrote it once and then wrote it again, I don't usually need it. Um, But that was kind of the long version of how I used to prepare. Now I find that I have more trust and tell me if you, this, you can relate to this, but there's um, like really listening to the words being said so that because there's always a question in the information that they're giving, there's there's naturally another level of curiosity, a layer deeper or something, um, something, uh, a branch off of it. Um, so I trust that flow a little bit more than I used to. Um, I just never wanted to get into a position with someone where I sat there and went, <clears throat> so uh, what do you, um, what's next? You know, like, I mean, I just can't do, I feel so bad. I have, I feel like I try and put myself to a pretty high standard for my interviews because I've been interviewed so many times and like, I, you know, know what I like and don't like, and know what's appropriate and not. Um, so a couple of two rules that I just don't do in my interviews, um, is I just, I don't dig into the stuff that isn't appropriate or that I know that they wouldn't want to go into. And I just try and not a- ask typical questions. Right. And so, um, uh, so those are sort of my two general rules for myself. Um, and now I, I pretty much listen to a podcast. Like if I, I just search their name and like Apple, like iTunes, you know, Apple podcasts. And sure. I just, 
I just go in and I find whatever they've done recently. I listen to one and I make notes. Sometimes I'll listen to another one. Sometimes I'll just Google or research some information. But generally with one podcast, I can usually extract enough topics that I'm curious about. Um, And it's not that I'm asking the same question that's being asked in the interview. It's that they've said something in their answer that is pertaining to how I like to do my interview. And I'm like, oh, I know they're willing to go there. And so then I kind of write that down. So um, there's a lot of information in a podcast as you, you know, like listening to them, right? There's just so many gems. And so that's kind of how I prepare now. Sometimes I, I, I do like to always create a flow. I find that um, I don't usually need it, but I like to be prepared with, let's say, either like five topics that I can naturally transition through or like 10 questions. And those sort of 10 questions, um, they, you know, they're, they're just a guide. Um, but you know, lots of conversations just go all over the place, but it's, it's really like what it Lewis Howes told me a long time ago, based on someone that gave him advice as mm-hmm. he said, someone told him, he's like, what if I'm not interesting? He's like, no, no, no. He's like, you don't have to be interesting. You just have to be interested. And I was like, oh, that's so good. And so between that and listening to, uh, listening to understand versus listening to respond, is another one that is really helpful in the process. So yeah, it's come, it's, it's come along. I look at guys like, um, I mean, you've been doing this for 17 years. You might be the OG of podcasts. Oh. You've been doing it for 17 I've years. I've been doing it a long time. Wow. Um, but I look at guys like, you know, Joe Rogan and people who sit there and talk to just all kinds of different people for right. two, you know, two plus hours. And I'm like, you know, that's next level kind of stuff. Um, and so intelligent, but that's, I don't know if you find this too, but in, in doing this, so many interviews, like you learn so much. Right. And I think people want to know you did your homework a little bit, right? So it's not the car wash as I call it, where tell me about your book or tell me about your latest project where anyone could ask that question. So do your homework. And then I think you do a really nice job of even if you don't know the person, like we're talking for the first time right now, we've never had a conversation before. You do a nice job of making your audience feel like you've known this person. And, you know, there's a good rapport there because sometimes it can be an awkward conversation, but I don't get that when I listen to your interview. Some people I can tell that you've been friends with them for a while and you've known them and there's a, a friendship or a rapport there, but other people some of the experts you've had on your show that you don't have a relationship with, it still sounds like a comfortable conversation. And that's the thing about podcasting. I used to be in radio. Radio, you got to take breaks every 10 minutes and it's very structured. And podcast conversations could go on for 90 minutes or two hours or however you want. And it's very conversational and free-flowing and organic versus, okay, this is an interview and we have to check all these boxes during the interview. And Right. So I just like the listening format a lot better. It's kind of how we speak, right? Exactly. I mean, podcast is basically how we speak. So it you really feel like you're in the room in a conversation or sitting listening to two people on a couch, you know, like you, because it's the way that you'd speak if you were sitting around at home and so, um, or, you know, out to lunch or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, the podcast world is obviously blown up and I'm glad because I, I remember when I first, I was promoting my book back at the beginning of 2018 and, um, and I only did a few interviews. I did Joe Rogan. I did Rich Roll. 
and I did Lewis Howes. I think were like the three podcasts I did, which are great big mm-hmm. podcasts. Right. And um, I had never done any. And of course, at first I'm thinking to myself, like, how long am I going to be? How long is this interview? Like, and then after I did them, I was like, that's a lot of fun. Actually, yeah. I would much rather do a couple of those a day than bounce around in and out of a car to do a five to seven minute segment in a studio. Um, so yeah, I think that it's, I'm so glad that people are resonating with the long format because, um, you know, it's just, so much deeper and more informational. And I love that there's a hunger out of people that they are wanting that because to me, it tells it's, it's a, it's, it's growth. It's that you're, you, you know, you're, you're, you're able to keep your attention on something for an extended period of time and also like really learning and and getting into a conversation. Um, So I'm glad. Well, I binged your, your podcast in preparation for this conversation and then i'll tell you i listened to one of my favorite podcasts i've listened to in a long time you and your sister on sibling revelry with oliver and kate hudson yeah because i have siblings as well and i always think like what would it be like if i did a podcast with them with my siblings and you know i learn a lot about you And, and like i said at the beginning of this conversation i feel like via your podcast i've learned more about you and just listening to those than I did during your career. And it's not any offense about, but like you said, you would do five to seven minute interviews. You do quick radio hits. It wasn't a deeper conversation. So kudos with the pretty intense podcast. I think it's fantastic. I'm always anxious for the next episode to come out to listen to it. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that have tried podcasting post career. I'll be honest with you. Some of them do a good job and some don't do a great job. I think you do an outstanding job. So, Oh man, that's really cool of you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll keep doing a couple more episodes. I I'm interviewing Alanis Morissette on Wednesday. Wow. I'm excited for that just because she's been always like a, a, an all time favorite of mine, but I've been lucky enough to interview some really cool people. So you know what it's like, it's like, who am I talking to? You're like, so cool. Yeah, it is cool. Because again, be, being curious and just wanting to be curious about talking to that person, I think is, is great. I saw Alanis Morissette's first arena show. I live in Portland, Oregon. So mm-hmm. she did her first arena show in Portland. And it was really funny because, you know, she's just like this badass woman and has all this energy. But before the show, she's like walking around backstage with a teddy bear and she was really quiet. And then she gets on stage and it's just electric. And you're like, oh, my God, she's so quiet in her normal life. But on stage, she's just like this power player. It, it was really it was cool to see. But that had I had been back in the like jagged little pill days. Though. It was. It was, it was 1995. It was her very first arena show. Yeah. That's so, so cool. yeah, she's done a lot since then. Well, congrats on that. Had a lot of great music come through. Yeah, Portland has had a lot of great music come through and a lot of people like start, you know, kind of in this area and in Seattle. So kind of interesting. All right. I want to talk about some of the other things that you're doing. Uh, You are a wine connoisseur and Mm -hmm. that's not an easy business either. And you've got to be brave to get into that business because it's competitive. And, you know, a lot of people can just stick their name on a label, but you've really been involved in, in your wine brand. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, there's two now. So um, it started off with Somnium, which means dream in Latin. Right. Um, And uh, it's because I just I was in Napa Valley drinking, drinking, swirling some white wine at 10 a.m. because you can. And I thought, man, it'd be so cool to have something like this someday. 
And <clears throat> that's why I called it Somnium because it was just a dream at that point. Like it was just an idea. And so it's really cool to look at these projects and think, oh my God, that was just an idea. Like that's all it was in my mm-hmm. head. And so, um, so I bought the property in 2009 and planted the vineyard and started from scratch. And, um, and so that finally, a, bo- a bottle was finally for sale in 2017. The 14 vintage was for sale in 2017. So that, that was a long project. Yeah. And, but the, but the cool thing is, is it really led into the next one, which was um, one that launched last year called Danica Rose. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's a grown and made in Provence, France, Rose. Um, man, we've had a really cool promotion that keeps getting put off every year. We were supposed to launch, well, over a year ago at Monaco at the oh, Grand Prix wow. Wow. with the yacht and the whole thing. And, and then it was supposed to be this year and then that got canceled again. And, um, but anyway, it's been a really cool project. So, um, I've got really good partners with that one. And, um, so that's growing really fast. Um, so yeah, I mean, people ask me, why are you in the wine business? And my answer is really simple. And that's just that I like to drink it. When someone comes to you with an idea for a partnership or an endorsement, or when you're thinking about starting a, a wine company, what are the elements that you need to see in order to say, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll sign on the dotted line and, and I'll be your partner or I'll start this business. Mm. Well, the first one I've spent a lot of, it's all my own money and I've spent a lot of it. And um, so it's a long game project. Mm. It's passion. Um, really the core of it is like getting back to like, there's a, there's a dot on the top and it's a, like a, you are here, like in a hotel room or somewhere like marking the spot. And it's sort of a, a trigger to hopefully get you to read the back label and then remember, cause it's in the back label, but to be present. And so really the message and the feeling is to be present with the company you're with and share and, um, and, um, really connect with the people, people around you. Uh, and so, you know, that, that is really, uh, that was my baby. And then the Danica Rose project was a, a few guys that got together that were, you know, they were interested in making, making wine. And so we made, we decided make, making some Rose and, and as far as me being involved, it's like, I couldn't think of a more authentic thing to do than make Rosé in front and France. Like it's the hometown of Provence is where Rosé, it's like the birthplace of Rosé. So, you know, I just think that that for me is so parallel with me as a brand, just being authentic. So um, that was, you know, but we're all partners, we're all equal partners. And we, you know, we, we put in the effort and I mean, I feel like, you know, maybe some put in more than, than others, like, uh, the guy who's out there, you know, getting it sold and everything, but, um, but we all play our part, you know, a critical part. So, um, I guess, you know, when it comes to making a decision, what to do, it's like, it's all roots and sort of passion and curiosity and interest. Like, are you really actually into it? And then do you feel like you have a good team around you? Power up premium trail mix. They're a partner of ours. I know you're one of their endorsers what led to you wanting to work with them i love their trail mix and, and frankly i didn't know the difference between premium trail mix the really healthy stuff and the stuff filled with candy until i started eating their trail mix yeah well i i remember hearing just how the nuts are even prepared like <clears throat> the fruits and the nuts just 
there's different, just like with anything, like there's a doctor that went to, you know, um, where do doctors go to? Medical school? Harvard? No, that's law. <laughs> Princeton? Yale? Yeah. Something like that. Whatever. Right. So those doctors. And then there's doctors that come out of somewhere that you've never heard of. Right. And yet they're all doctors, right? And so it's right. like trail mixes. It's like there's ones that come out of, you know, the top echelon sort of productivity and, and processes. And then there's ones that are not as good. And or maybe you wouldn't know about them. They're smaller. Um, and so uh, actually, usually the problem is, is they're bigger sometimes. Um, but I, I feel like when I heard about just how the high quality process that was used for for the trail mixes, I was like, wow, I had no idea. And since health is so important to me, I was like, this is um, a really great company in total alignment with my um, core values and, um, and then just use like truly you eating them and using it and grabbing the little to go bags when I'm traveling and, um, shoot at Thanksgiving or Christmas, I made like, you know, almond bark bars, like white chocolate almond bark bars with one of the, one of the trail mixes. So, um, I just really, I really, I, I'm fortunate enough in my career where I don't have to align with people that aren't in alignment with, with me and my values. So, um, power up was a really easy decision. Are you a cook? Do you like to cook? And, and yeah, just, I love wow. it. Do you have a good setup for your, uh, your kitchen and everything? And Oh yeah. What's yeah. your go-to? What, what's the go-to Danica Patrick? Uh, if, if you have company coming over family, friends, whoever, and, and you're going to make your best thing, what is it going to be? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, to be honest, I do make a pretty good steak. I know that sounds really silly. It's, I don't usually go out to eat for stuff like that because I can make it so well. Um, but I mean, probably like just something simple. I, I really, I also follow a pretty much paleo diet. So I, um, I, I mean, that limits a lot of things. Um, but I mean, I'll make like steaks and salmon and some roasted vegetables and, some kind of potato of some sort, maybe roast those too, or shoot, you can like wedge up sweet potato, put it on the grill. I mean, that works too. I mean, there's just, I I cook really simply, but it ends up being a lot about texture and food and, and flavor combinations. I follow you on social media. We said earlier, Danica Patrick on Instagram and Twitter. Some of your workouts that you do, my God, like your, your core, I ride the Peloton and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I hike and things like that, but I'm watching some of your workouts and they're, they're next level. So mm-hmm. I'm impressed. Thank you. Well, I, you know, I, I do like, I love fitness. I love working out. Like I, I truly just like it. Like I get excited to work out. And as soon as I write down a workout, it happens. It's like, a, it's like an automatic manifestation technique in the gym. Like just write down the workout and go. But here's where most people get stuck. They don't know how to write a workout. And so, um, but I started doing CrossFit, which I just really love and enjoy. Um, probably back in 2013. And <clears throat> I don't do pure car- CrossFit, but I do a lot of CrossFit. And um, uh, I, just, I just think it really gives you good tools to not only... Show, show how to build a workout, but also, um, and there's also so many resources for that too, websites, programs, Instagram accounts. Um, but also, uh, it shows you what real working out is and it should hurt and it's painful and you get really, you don't just get out of breath. You like lying, laying on the ground when you're done. So I like that. I mean, can you please tell our audience once and for all, and I think most people know this, but 
being in a race car like you were, you have to be in incredible condition and your core has to be so strong because you're, you're in that car for hours and you're going so fast. Like it really does take, you have to be in incredible shape. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, most people, you know, I mean, there's, there's definitely other sports that peak in other ways, but keep your focus. I think that one of the things that we like overlook in general is just the, you know, the mental capacity and the focus and, and whenever the body starts to distract um, through pain or uh, fatigue or discomfort, you're pulling from the mental side of things. So um, there's probably very, very few sports that actually keep you have to keep you, you have, where you have to stay focused for four hours, you know? Right. Um, I mean, even under caution, you know, you're saving fuel and doing all kinds of things. You're making pit stops. So there's really not a lot of time to relax. Um, so uh, no timeouts. So, um, so I think that, uh, I, I just, it's really important to be hydrated, really important to have good focus. It's really important to have upper body strength neck. I mean, yeah, actually I'll, this is funny. I was, I went skiing for the very first time about a month ago okay. and I was going down the hill and it was like a tough blue. And I, I was like, my first, was like I had taken two lessons and then day three was like, I've had it. And, um, so I'm going down and I just yard sale it. Like I just, I just fly off the handlebars and <laughs> yard like, sale it. I love that yard too. sale it down the mountain <laughs> and my head like whipped back really hard. Ooh. And I woke up the next day and I was like, Oh man, I haven't had neck pain like this since I went to Sebring for the first test of the year in an Indy car every year. Cause it seems like an Indy car, we'd always go to Sebring or somewhere like that in Florida um, and go, you know, get in a car for the first time of the season and the acceleration and deceleration and lateral loads are lateral loads. Not so bad because you have heads around, but like vertical, like forward and backwards under braking and acceleration, like your neck would, you know, remember what I had to do again and it'd be painful. So it took a skiing accident for me to remember just like what it took for neck strength. But yeah, there's lots of little things with, um, with driving that, uh, you know, you need to be really strong and have a lot of endurance for. Before I let you go, uh, I see by following you on, on social, you're doing some traveling and some adventures and trying things like skiing for the first time. What's next for you, whether it's business wise or just what lies ahead? Because, you know, it seems like you're in such a great position right now. You've got this blank canvas and you can paint it however you want. Well, I mean, there's a lot of new stuff going on. I mean, the podcast isn't that old. So, you know, you know, this summer will be two years, but um, still doing that and enjoying it. And um, the, you know, the new wine that launched last year, Danica Rose, as well as Somnium, Um, then there's some other projects in the works. Um, I think that, you know, getting into, I'd really like to try to transition some of the, some of the techniques that I've learned through interviewing people into maybe doing, um, special specials with, I think, you know, pairing an athlete, me with athletes is a, is a good thing. I mean, it could go with anything, um, as I actually interview mostly not athletes on the show. But um, I think it's a good way to retap that audience um, that followed for so long and also then um, be able to use some new, new, new skills. So doing like special features and things like that around big events, I think would be really cool. Um, but then, you know, there's a show in the works that's based on, you know, women and 
the things that they've accomplished and, and me hosting that. So uh, that's in the works right now. So yeah, there's always, there's always something going on. Danica Patrick, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Danica Patrick. She's joining us on behalf of power up premium trail mix. Make sure to listen to her podcast. Pretty intense on iTunes and podcast platforms everywhere. Danica, it's been a pleasure. Continued success to you. And uh, thanks for joining me on sports business radio. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being so prepared. I appreciate it. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Sports Business Radio host Brian Berger here. The wait is finally over. Sports Business Radio merchandise has finally arrived. We're working with our friends at the Parish Project to provide you with the opportunity to buy really quality Sports Business Radio merchandise. We've started with long sleeve t-shirts and short sleeve t-shirts. They come in five different colors each, a variety of sizes. I love my shirts. And soon, we're going to have hoodies to offer as well, hooded sweatshirts. I know a lot of you are wearing hooded sweatshirts while you're working from home these days. But whether you're working out, just lounging around the house, or doing whatever you're doing, you can rock Sports Business Radio merchandise. I think you're going to love it. Go to parishproject.com. That's P-A-R-I-S-H project.com. Parishproject.com. And you can order your Sports Business Radio merchandise today. We appreciate your support. And uh, send us your best picture. Tweet it to us at SB Radio. Or also, you can get us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. We look forward to seeing you rocking that Sports Business Radio merchandise. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A Sports. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.